Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. I'm your host Prakash Sangam, founder and principal at Tantra Analyst. In this episode, we'll go back to one of my favorite topics, which is Open RAN. Uh, there has been constant flow of news on this subject, some good and some concerning. For example, on the good side, first Open RAN network started commercial operations in the US, that is Dish Network. It is still very early and service is only available in few cities and few locales. Only two devices supported and so on. But it still is a major uh, concrete step in the right direction. On the negative side, Parallel Wireless had to severely reduce its workforce, which kind of put uh, this notion of lots of smaller software companies entering the market through Open RAN to some doubt. All these you know, ultimately proves that Telecom infrastructure is a tough business to be in and transforming this behemoth into a fully open market is not an easy or quick task. Another important issue is we still need to see you know, advanced features such as 64TR, MIMO, carrier aggregation and others in open RAN networks. You know, the current commercial networks don't support those things. These are the features that really put any RAN technology into real tests. So we have to see how Open RAN will support those and come ahead of legacy if it, if it. To discuss all of these and more, I would like to welcome Joel Brand, who is the Senior Director of Product Marketing at Marvel Technology to the show. Joel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Prakash. It's good to be here. Yeah, just to be sure, we are talking about Marvel Semiconductor Technology Company, not uh, Marvel Universe with uh, all those superheroes. Although I should admit, the engineers at Marvel are no less than any superheroes. Right, Joel? Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, let's start with some quick introductions. Uh, Joel, we have known each other for some time, but you uh, joined Marvel about two years ago, I think. Could you briefly give us a background uh, on your your professional career and your time at Marvel and what you do there? Yeah, I joined Marvel about a little bit over a, a year ago. It feels like two, but only a little bit over a year ago. Okay. And I'm responsible for the uh, wireless uh, business as part of the uh, processor business unit at, uh, at Marvel. Mm-hmm. And previously, I've, uh, I've built uh, uh, several startups, some were more successful than, than others. Very well. And uh, those have been in the telecom and wireless space, I believe? or They were all in the telecom and, and wireless space, both in the 4G, 5G environment, as well as in the Wi-Fi environment. Okay, perfect. So talking about Marvel, in my view, Marvel, in, especially in the infrastructure space, has always been in the background. Not many people know about what you guys do, what you provide to the telecom ecosystem, and so on. Could you... Explain what are your RAN offerings specifically? Sure. I think it's a reality of being in the infrastructure business. Mm -hmm. People tend to know of the consumer-focused companies. When we buy a PC, we know what what processors are in the laptop. When we buy a graphics card, we know what's in there. But we we are a company that is very, very focused on the infrastructure business automotive, enterprise, data center, and most importantly for my personal uh, responsibility at Marvel, the wireless, the the telecom business. Mm -hmm. We are providing SOCs, we are a silicon company, providing SOCs for the infrastructure. So if you think about it, you, you have a phone in your hand that has a modem 
that modem needs to talk to another modem on the infrastructure side. Mm -hmm. While you clearly know the name of the company that provides the modem in your phone, you typically don't know the name of the company that provides the modem to the infrastructure side. But this is the Marvel business, and we are just as large as those companies that provide the uh, consumer solutions on the infrastructure side. Indeed. And even the people in the technology space don't know the modems in the base stations, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, so at a very high level, what do you think are the challenges uh, that are you know slowing down or the whole process of Open RAN itself? First of all, Open RAN and VRAN, and, and we can talk about these terms, are, are making progress. Uh-huh. But I think it's important to remember that our expectation from the wireless network is to be extremely reliable, extremely available. It's not the kind of business where you want uh, hundreds of startups building networks. It's not going to work that way. And I don't think that's anyone's goal. Nevertheless, open interfaces, leveraging technologies that helped us perfect the cloud ecosystem, allowing innovation, this is where the small companies are playing, right? Where we where we open interfaces that they can connect to and they can innovate with something addition to what exists. The idea is not to build a company that will replace Nokia or Ericsson. The idea is to build a, the tools to allow smaller companies to augment Nokia and Ericsson. That, that's uh, more like uh, the reality of, uh, of Open Run and, and VRAN. And in that, and in that sense, I, I do think that we are seeing progress. And I mean, it's still a very early stages. Any major challenge that you see uh, that Open RAN has to overcome before becoming a mainstream? Um, again, let, let, let's dive into some details. Open RAN typically people refer to as the open interface between the radio unit and the distributed unit right. so it's a very specific it's a very specific interface mm-hmm. and and the idea of open run is to standardize it such that you can mix and match radios and DUs from different vendors right. technologically it's possible today and there are examples in deployments where you see that rakutan for example is uh, is one such example right they're, they're not in the business of RUs they're in the business of DUs using a company that they acquired. And nevertheless, they succeeded to build a network uh-huh. that works and serve quite a few customers. So, so it is technically possible. However, from a reliability, availability, testing procedures, support procedures, the operators find it easier to work with a major vendor. Uh-huh. And I don't think that's going to change. And in that sense, Oran is facing some, some challenges uh, when new companies want to integrate with the with the larger companies, but technologically the concept is already there. Perfect. So we'll talk about the, the size and what you need a little bit later in the podcast. I have a couple of specific questions on that. Okay. Well, you know, you mentioned Rakuten, and even look at Dash. Those are the two very known names as such in Open RAN. There are some other smaller trials and other so on, but uh, they are, as I mentioned in the monologue. They are yet to support uh, these advanced features, 64TR, MyCMAMO, Care Aggregation, and others. So what are some of the challenges there with whatever current solutions that they have to support those features? These features, by the way, are already supported in today's commercial legacy network, right? That's a, that's a very correct observation. 
what we need to do here, we need to separate between ORAN and VRAN. ORAN, we said, is the open interface between the RU and the DU, Correct. between the uh, radio and the, and the digital part. VRAN is the concept of trying to leverage cloud compute infrastructure to better scale and manage the, uh, the RAM. And the company that jumped and tried to do that earlier than others, and you know, in that sense, we do need to give them the credit, is, is, uh, is Intel. Mm-hmm. But Intel did that with the goal of trying to run everything on a standard x86 server. Mm-hmm. And the consequences of running the uh, 5G protocol stack on an x86 server is that you cannot support these advanced features. The x86 server, the x86 in general, is a general purpose processor designed for many, many things, but none specifically. Mm -hmm. And as a result, the L1 processing, which is a very specialized workload, is facing challenges when you're trying to run that on on an x86 processor. And as a result, even Intel had to introduce a small FPGA to help the x86. It's not quite enough, but it's something to at least make the very basic features operate. Yeah, so basically you're saying you need specialized accelerators for L1 and L2, which is layer one, layer two, which is the core of a radio communication. That's where most of the radio processing, if you will, the baseband processing happens. So you're saying you need... uh, you know, accelerators there, right, uh, for a specialized task. And you're saying uh, the general purpose compute is not possible to do those tasks or, you know, it'll be expensive or more, you know, power hungry or not battery efficient, not battery, but power efficient to do those with general compute. I once heard that if you throw enough energy at something, you can do everything. Mm-hmm. But, but the trick is always to do things um, mm-hmm. cost efficient and power efficient. There's a limited amount of money that operators have and certainly limited amount of power that they can spend on it. But if, if you think about the ORAN and VRAN from the perspective of using accelerators, right? I, I think that we are, we are a bit misusing the, the term accelerator. Accelerator mm-hmm. kind of imply that your processing is done somewhere else and you're using the accelerator to accelerate that somewhere else process. Mm-hmm. That's a bit misleading. What we are doing at Marvel, we are developing processors that run the layer one of the 5G protocol stack. This is the most heavy compute aspect of 5G. This is the part that determines the quality of the interface between your phone and the modem on the tower over the air, which is a very challenging medium to, to overcome the fading and interference and multipath in there. Mm-hmm. The, the, this, is, this is exactly what it does. And that L1 is extremely complex, extremely difficult to process. And what Marvel develops are processors to handle that L1. Okay? Now, the, the term accelerator it may be appropriate if we think about it in the greater context of we need to build a, a complete uh, distributed unit uh, where that particular processor, which we call accelerator, is dealing with the with the L1. But it's a bit misleading to think about it as a 
as a mechanism to help another processor. It's a processor by itself. Yeah, agreed. So the whole idea here is, I mean, you know, the terminology coming from the cloud space where you you are kind of offloading specialized tasks, in this case, this uh, radio baseband functionality to a more optimized independent processors, whereas you have a host processor doing other management and other things. But the core functionality is being offloaded to a more optimized process right that that's basically what accelerator is i mean yeah we can we can argue on what the how the nomenclature works whether it's accurate enough or not but for for good or bad it's more borrowed from somewhere else and kind of stuck so and also the, the lot of this processing is real time as well right modulation and other things that's cool yeah and that's also is another uh, related subject usually accelerators are you know sidekicks you know they are they are used for offloading but in this case they can't be sidekicks they have to be in line not just look aside as they're called right they have to be in line with all the things that are happening between the bts and the antenna very, very much so uh-huh. so so Prakash, it's a very it's a very good observation maybe we can we can just clarify what it means right uh-huh. when when we think about accelerators and offloadings we we typically think about a processor be it x86 being an arm processor processor that is running you know certain loads in a in a data center typically mm-hmm. and we want to offload the networking functions for example yeah. what we're talking about in the telecom business yeah. is all networking that is the business yeah right it's all networking so really networking processors that's our business exactly so so really network processors which is marvel oction portfolio and 5g processor which is Marvell's Oction Fusion processors. These are the processors to run those workloads. Now, sure, alongside that, you can put an ARM processor, an Intel processor, and run management uh, functions and, and things like that. But the core functions running on the Marvell processors, both in terms of networking and in terms of the uh, 5G uh, protocol stack. Okay. Yeah, perfect. So, so what are some of the concerns in terms of latency and power requirements where you think these dedicated processors are better than generic processors? Do you have any numbers in terms of what you need to meet for this to be efficient? So, so if you look at 5G requirements at, at large, right, we're talking about a, a one millisecond mm-hmm. TTI, the, the transmission over the air. Correct that 5G standards have, have bounded the problem in. Yeah. And that's a, that's a challenging requirement. Mm-hmm. And in that time, you've got to deal with adjusting the signal, again, to counter the effects of the, uh, of the air interface. And the better you do that, the more traffic, the more spectral efficient you can make that air interface, which is critical given the... Uh, the, the billions that operators have paid for, for those licenses. This is what it is about. And there are features yeah. that if you don't design the processor to handle, a general purpose processor doesn't do very efficiently. Uh-huh. This is the advantage, this is the advantage of the Marvel processor. I, I can give you a specific example. Maybe that maybe that would help. Think about something like uh, successive interference cancellation. Uh-huh. It's a simple concept. When when you stand between two uh, base stations, Mm -hmm. you are talking to one of the base stations while the other base station is 
an interference source from your perspective. Correct. In order to deal with that interference source, what typically is done, we detect the signal from uh, the phone and we detect the signal from the, the base station and we detect twice. We, we go through the detection process twice in order to remove the interference. That's why it's called successive interference cancellation. Mm-hmm. But that means you, you need to go through this twice Okay, so twice means you you just added twice the processing mm-hmm. time, twice the processing effort, and if you think about something like a general purpose processor that goes to a look aside function to do the um, do the decoding, you've got to go twice through that interface. Mm-hmm. That's a very inefficient way of doing things. Here, so here's a here's an example where you, when you process the L1 directly on the processor, mm-hmm. as as we do at at Marvel, the performance would be significantly better. And any specific that you, have, you might have looked at in a study or something like that for a, a typical Marvel inline accelerator processor for the exact same functionality, how many more generic processors do you need? So these so these things are moving targets. So I'm, so I'm hesitant to uh, put uh, numbers behind them. But su- suffice to say that, as you pointed out, existing systems running on the highest end x86, running with the highest end uh, instruction set architecture that they have, mm-hmm. not sufficiently good to deal with multi-radio heads, massive MIMO, LTE and 5G on a single processor, a lot of functions that for us are a given. Yeah, so talking to Intel, they claim they can, but we'll see how these uh, these two major and many other tiles and other deployments progress. Most of them are convinced that they need accelerators. Some, especially Intel, says they don't need. We'll see how they progress and we'll decide then. Again, just just to be just to be just to be clear, yeah, you know the the concept of do you need to accelerate or you don't comes down to the question of can you make it power efficient? Correct. And without dedicated hardware, you cannot make it power efficient. Correct. Can you run the code? You can run the code. Can you make it power efficient? No. Yeah, I understand. So I you know you would think operators are you know when they are deploying. They will look at ultimately those and decide because they have to deploy the best and most efficient solution, not because it is coming from some company, right? So, okay. So moving on, you guys both supply to the legacy infrastructure vendors as well as to the same or maybe you know different open RAN infrastructure as well. So that is kind of an interesting dynamic that help you in your own technology and product development or on the other side, help your OEMs as well as the operators in terms of transitioning from legacy to open RAN? First of all, we don't see it as, as black and white. Uh-huh. We, we see this as a, as a continuum of, of our business. Yes, we are serving the traditional deployed network infrastructure. A quite a large percent of uh, 5G connection today are terminated on our, uh, uh-huh. on our SOCs. And we've incorporated features over the years into our latest uh, SOC portfolio that include uh, PCIe Mm -hmm. interfaces, that include uh, virtualization uh, capabilities. And and we are making the same quality, the same capacity, the same power-efficient SOCs available 
to the companies that are building uh, VRAN and ORAN. Some of them, some of them are traditional companies that are shifting their business, and some of them are newcomers into the space. Okay, and uh, since I mean it's ultimately the the software that runs on them, uh, uh, and then you're saying using the same base makes it easier for them to transition because they they might have the same underlying infrastructure, but the the applications and other things that run on it are different. So it'll be a easier uh, migration, if you will, right? There's an element of migration. There's also an element mm-hmm. of trust by the by the operators, right? The operators have come to rely on their existing vendor and their existing vendors are relying on Marvel in many cases. And, and the fact that we are a, a proven, reliable supplier of solutions exactly for this market is, is certainly helping us both with existing customers and new customers. Okay, perfect. So if you look at uh, what happened with Parallel Wireless, I think one of the things I have found that, I mean, it's a, it's difficult to feel to be in. And uh, you, of course, need your own hardware platform to perfect and optimize your software, or you need a good partner. If you're a software-only provider, you know, it's very hard to find a hardware-only provider, in my view. In such case, this promise of Open RAN, lowering the entry barrier and many smaller companies enter, it looks like a little bit more optimistic. In terms of your strategy and your view, you still see the infrastructure market to be driven by fewer, larger players who have financial and technology wherewithal to you know, support this investment-intensive operations. And the smaller players will play niche role and supporting them rather than just you know very large ecosystem of smaller players. So, Prakash, let, let me clarify. First of all, my heart goes out to uh, Parallel Wireless. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of effort to build a, a startup and it's uh, mm-hmm. heartbreaking to, to see uh, people have to go home. Indeed. If you look at, uh, at the standardization, Marvel is heavily engaged in ORAN activities to standardize open interfaces. We, we are true believers in that. Mm-hmm. This is necessary regardless of the size of the company that serves the operator. Mm-hmm. It's, it's necessary for innovation. Small companies are a great thing. They push large companies. They force large companies to, to compete, to innovate. It's, it's, it's absolutely necessary. And we are extreme supporters of open interfaces and standards, and we are uh, heavy contributors if, if you're thinking about the hardware, software, and, and you're pointing out that it's hard to differentiate without, uh, without hardware, we, we totally agree. Mm-hmm. But it's important to look at it, which level of the stack you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Servers, they have their place. Commodity off-the-shelf, standard hardware uh, in the form of servers are, are, are fantastic solutions that are uh, available at scale cost-optimized, and and we should take uh, advantage of that in in the telecom business. So when we look at L1 processing, uh, we talked about accelerators, we we are thinking in terms of something like a PCIe board that sits inside a server Mm -hmm. where it processes the L1, Mm -hmm. and the standard interface is between the L1 on that card and the L2 that runs on the server. Mm-hmm. 
and that's an area where Oran uh, Working Group 6 has been uh, hard at work trying to uh, uh, define that, uh, that interface. Uh-huh. And, th- and this is a place where you can absolutely uh, put a, a demarcation point that is open and available to everyone and is, uh, is the way to uh, allow companies to, uh, to come and integrate. Uh-huh. It doesn't have to be at the, at the silicon level. Just, just think about it. It's not that uh, Intel and AMD have the same uh, instruction set architecture, certainly not ARM, uh-huh. right? So we don't necessarily need to do that at the, at the silicon level, and yet all of these different processors are able to run Linux. Indeed. I think we covered a lot of ground. Uh, you know, we can talk all uh, day and night about this subject and still not come to an agreement or, you know, decide where we are and where we are going. Any final comments or closing uh, thoughts before we close the session? I, I hope we establish that Marvel is a, is a major provider to uh, the infrastructure today and we will be in the future and we will grow as fast as uh, 5G grow. Indeed, and this uh, this this discussion of uh, general compute versus uh, accelerator that is indeed uh, very interesting to see how it unfolds. I'm more on the accelerate optimized just for RAN workload side, and we'll see how it uh, ultimately turns out. All right, thank you very much for coming over. Really, really loved all the information you provided, and I'm sure uh, we'll we'll talk more in uh, our future uh, podcast with you on this subject. Thanks for having me here, Prakash. Sure. So folks, that's all for now. Hope you found the discussion informative and useful. If you did, please hit that subscribe button down there in whatever platform you're listening this on. I'll be back very soon with another episode, putting light on another interesting tech subject. Bye-bye for now.